The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your own hometown the things that we have heard of you in Capernaum. And Jesus said, Truly I, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the land of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. So, do you like the preaching at this church? What preacher wouldn't love to hear the compliments? Good sermon, Pastor. You spoke right to me. You hit it out of the park. Well, if you like Holy Trinity, and especially the sermons, I could ask you to write a review on Yelp. <laughs> Spread the word. Tell your friends that the preaching at your church is all the rage. Of course, that would mean that we preachers at Holy Trinity are telling you what you want to hear, right? Now, that's a hard one. Last fall, right here, there was a sermon on Esther that indirectly addressed issues of sexual abuse in light of the Kavanaugh hearing. No political parties, no names were named, and we lost a member from it because someone said the sermon was too political. Last Sunday, a colleague of mine used the image of a wall sermon. You know that's not going to end well, right? No mention of the president or even the specific border crisis. But right in the middle of the sermon, a woman stood up and walked right out of the church. Well, if we want our sermons to be truly biblical, we would look to the prophets and see what happened to them. Speaking the truth got them in trouble. Their message was rejected. And things didn't end well. Now, it's downright impossible for a prophetic pastor to speak hard truths and challenge systems and governments, well, when your pay paycheck comes from the offering, right? 
after all, in many churches, there are people on both sides of that partisan divide. And there may be police officers and government workers or even immigrants in the congregation. And then there's another problem that some of you may have thought of over the years. Sermons are one-sided. There's no chance for dialogue, rebuttal, and pointing out to me or any other preacher that, well, there may be some truth on the other side of the argument. It's a little more nuanced than you just said. All true. So when Jesus goes to preach at his hometown, it starts out well. He is all the rage. Jesus is a rock star. The people hang on his every word. He says the right things, gracious things, that God is on the side of the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. That means everybody. And the crowd give him rave reviews, 10 out of 10. But then some of them start to mumble under their breath. Isn't this Joseph's son? That one born out of wedlock? Who is this one of us, yet comes to us as one unknown? Speaking with divine authority, huh? Now I wish the story would end right there, with a question. Because at least everybody would still be calm. And I like things calm. But then Jesus drops what I'm going to call a P-bomb, a prophetic zinger. He gives two examples of God passing over their kind in favor of less desirable folks. A Syrian army officer and a poor pagan woman at Zarephath. Now think of people right now in your imagination or groups of people that you most detest that get your blood boiling that might even fill you with rage at times. And imagine me putting a picture up right there and holding them up as the example of welcome and inclusivity that we announce at this church. What happens next is a mob scene. No way around it. Jesus' words incite such rage that violence erupts. They drag Jesus to the edge of the town. They rant, they chant, hurl him off the cliff. Hurl him off the cliff. He's a traitor. He's not one of us. So much for telling the truth. So much for the call of the prophet. Now the prophet Jeremiah gives a pretty good excuse to God when he's called. It's kind of like, don't call me, I'll call you. I'll be in touch when I need you. After all, I'm only a kid. I have no idea what to say. And who among us wouldn't resist a preaching agenda of angry words filled with destruction and devastation? No rave reviews for Jeremiah, that's for sure. So I'm glad I'm Lutheran right now. We preach the good news, the gospel. Except, except what I sometimes forget, and maybe you do too. There's always bad news before the good news. Exposing lies, exposing injustice, exposing hatred. And the biggest problem is that the problem isn't in other people. Sorry to say, it's in us. You mean we're the ones who are arrogant and complicit 
You mean we're the ones that dehumanize others who don't see the world as we do? You mean we're the ones who give lip service to justice without changing our lifestyle or our privileged status? So much for the bad news. Well, the cover story of the current issue of The Atlantic is titled, Why Are We So Angry? The Untold Story of American Rage and Where It Is Taking Us. The thing is, it's not just the president who's angry, right? We are all the rage. And sometimes I wish we could just get a dose of 1 Corinthians 13. Now, not just to help us be more kind to our partner or roommate or colleague. That's one thing. But oh, that divine power could transform us to rejoice in the truth and not wrongdoing, to not insist on our own way, and to kick us in the butt when we are envious and boastful and arrogant and rude and irritable and resentful. To quote words from that lovely chapter we heard. The thing is, it sounds like what's going on today Oh, I guess going on always, if you think of the human condition. Now, we hear these sweet, touching words at sentimental settings on warm August afternoons, I would like to add. Yet read the chapters before the lovely 13th. The Corinthian community had factions, divisions, misplaced confidence. Sound familiar? According to the Atlantic article, we've always been an angry nation. We're born out of revolution, after all. The thing is now, it's a constant drumbeat. And now our anger isn't at people we know, but at distant groups we demonize. When we are all the rage, so to speak, can we sustain such a fevered pitch without becoming the thing we hate in others? As the people try to hurl Jesus off the cliff, he walks right through them, leaving them to their own devices. When we hurl hatred and post rants online, we may feel a bit smug and satisfied for just a bit. Yet righteous anger must always be for the sake of transformation from a place of love. And that is seeming almost impossible to me these days. In the end, dear friends, it is not about the preacher being all the rage or a church getting rave reviews online. We gather each Sunday around Christ, the one who comes to us as one unknown. Let's be honest, under the rage, both ours and others, is human vulnerability and wounds and helplessness. Christ comes to us, comes to us with gracious words of love and mercy. This gospel puts to death the childish ways that Paul speaks about. This gospel sets us free 
and fills us with a hope that, yes, may seem naive at times. Yet week after week, we come again to hear life-giving words, life-giving words, and to feast on Christ's own body and blood. And as we leave, the mirror seems to be less dim, and we begin to see face to face the one who comes for every child of earth, the one who comes for every child of earth.